We came out the back of it, fortunately we sold, like that was, there was some dark moments in that project. Thank God we sold those condos all in 2007, like months before the crash. Those are times I just remember being like, what am I doing? Why don't I just stick to my day job? Why am I doing this stupid real estate project in the first place? I can't help myself. What does mojo mean to you? Welcome to CEO Mojo, where we inspire business leaders to get motivated. In our weekly podcast, we talk about the ideas, stories, and lessons of these successful entrepreneurs and how they overcome the challenges that hold them back from getting in touch with their mojo so that you will get motivated. Our host is Joe Applebaum, CEO and co-founder of Ajax Union, a digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn. Joe is a certified Google trainer and was featured on Fox Business News, Bloomberg, and The Wall Street Journal. He's a published author, and his thought leadership appears regularly on Forbes, Business Insider, and Entrepreneur.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Apfelbaum. Welcome to another episode of CEO Mojo. Today, I'd like to introduce my good friend and fellow CEO, Alan Rooney. Alan is the founder and partner of Rooney Nemo, a boutique commercial law firm. Alan founded Rooney PC in 2007 and attributes its growth to its commitment to providing the highest possible level of client service coupled with sophisticated business-focused legal advice. Alan is a member of Entrepreneurs Organization in Brooklyn. I'm really excited to begin this interview with Alan Rooney because Alan has such great advice with all his experience as an entrepreneur doing so many different things. Let's begin this interview with Alan Rooney. Welcome to another amazing episode of CEO Mojo. Alan, thank you so much for joining me here today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So as you might know, we speak about the beliefs, the failures, the work ethic, the focus, fears, relationships, and purpose that entrepreneurs need to have in order to take their life and their business to the next level. Now, I'm sure there were certain limiting beliefs that you had when you were starting out as an attorney, starting out as an entrepreneur, that held you back from doing all the things that you wanted to do, from growing your business, from living your dream, from accomplishing the American dream. You want to share some of those beliefs or one of those beliefs that used to stop you, but now you kind of realize that it's just a self-limiting belief? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess, uh, well, as you, you, you know, Joe, I came from overseas, and that, that American dream, I think, is, uh, is, is, is telling and, and powerful for people all over the world, not just here. And, and when you move to a place like New York, you sort of, I immediately wanted to be a part of it. I loved it, and I thought it was the most energetic, most fascinating, most international place I'd ever been. And I'd been all over the world, and I figured I'm going to try this. So I had an unusual background. Um, I had a funny accent. I had I didn't have a conventional law degree from the U.S. and some things like that. So my background, my my CV, as we would call it, or resume, as as Americans call it, it was uh, very uh, somewhat unusual, and you know. So getting the right position initially was kind of struck off. I had one job and then I'm not going to say anything bad about it, but it wasn't for me. And then got into another spot. And I'd say my career potentially was not, um, was not initially uh, perhaps the opportunities I might have gotten back home. And um, I kind of felt that, uh, you know, I was a little bit of a round peg in a square hole maybe. And, 
you know, being from overseas and stuff. And then, you know, I, 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 I conquered that, I think, by seeing other foreign-born entrepreneurs. And I, and I think being in a place like New York, it's very comforting that, you know, something like 40% of us are, are from overseas. And I think New York is, is a place that welcomes people if they've got hustle and drive. And you do get an opportunity more often than not. People will verge towards, I'll give this guy a shot, as opposed to back in the UK where I'm from, I think it's a bit more negativity. It's not quite as positive. So I guess it was a little bit of um, self-consciousness there and, uh, you know, and, and being new to a place and in my business, you know, your network is, is key. And if you don't have a college network and a high school network and things I had left behind, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe that, that was a disadvantage, but you know, you, 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 as you well know, you plod on, you get, you get on with it and you, and you do the best you can every day. Wow, powerful. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now can resonate with that feeling of maybe I won't be accepted for whatever reason, whether, whether you're a foreigner, whether you have an accent, or whether you don't have a college degree or something else that may be stopping you. And knowing and seeing other people that are successful, even though they had that same issue, is a very powerful motivator to kind of get rid of that self-limiting belief. There's something that entrepreneurs have to go through in order for them to succeed, and that's the opposite of success, which is failure. And sometimes entrepreneurs fail so bad at something that they just don't feel like they have the energy to get up anymore, and they start questioning it. But when they do get the energy somehow, and somehow they persevere, they create amazing results. Is there a particular failure that you had to go through in your life that really challenged your very core, something that you did that really didn't work out. And as a result, <clears throat> you overcame that and you finally hit the success you were looking for. I guess there's, there's two, two random memories that stick out. One was while in law school, go, going into some, something like law school, I'd been a, a very successful high school student. I had very, very good grades. I was always one of the smartest kids and stuff like that. And then I got to university and like a lot of people, it's like going to the big leagues a bit and you're around some very able people and maybe you're not the sharpest kid anymore. And um, I remember failing a first year law exam. I'd never failed anything before. And it was mostly due to handwriting and careless spelling more than anything else. But it meant having to come back that summer and, and, uh, and, and sit that exam again when everyone else was traveling and backpacking or working summer jobs or whatever. And I remember I sort of vowing to myself, I wasn't going to make that mistake again. And um, in addition to my law business, which I've, I've grown and run for the last 10 years, I've done a lot of different entrepreneurial projects. One was a real estate endeavor where we bought a building, a friend and I, and we developed condos. And there were times during that project where I just felt like we were clueless. We had no idea what we were doing. There were horrible delays. There were, you know, we were burning money on mortgage. We were putting everything we had in construction and we were carrying a note on the place. And then the architect would say, oh, we didn't order the windows. And it was like, okay, well, can we go to Home Depot and get them? Like, no, they take six weeks from Marvin to come over or whatever. And you're just like, times where you, you've just gone into something thinking it's a good idea, but you don't know that much. You're learning on the whole project. I learned a lot through that real estate project. About, it was like a mini MBA of finance and interest and supply chain and professionals and putting it all together was, uh, was crazy. I, when we came out the back of it, Fortunately, we sold, like that was, there were some dark moments in that project. Thank God we sold those condos all in 2007, like months before the crash. Um, otherwise, you know, had it taken another six months and, you know, Lehman had fallen and all of that happened, God knows where we would have ended up. But we were, 
fortunate. Uh, <laughs> it's, that was, that was, those are times I just remember being like, what am I doing? Why don't I just stick to my day job? Why am I doing this stupid real estate project in the first place? I can't help myself. <laughs> right, right. Wow, <laughs> powerful, powerful. And I meet a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of overcome failure, but sometimes they don't necessarily have the work ethic that you have. You seem to not only be kicking butt in your businesses, the multiple businesses that you have, but also in your family life and everything that you're doing, you're kind of juggling everything and you keep adding more and just knocking it out of the park. Where do you get the work ethic that you have? Where do you get that from? Uh, that's first of all, very kind and I'm not sure how true it all is. Um, but the, the juggle, I mean, you, you, I, mean, I know you personally, obviously Joe, and I know you had the same thing with a lot of kids and you're juggling that and a wife and the, and the, and the business which is very demanding. Um, I, the work ethic, I think, for me, the, the drive in the business sense is sort of when you own something, I guess it's just e easier to get up and do it. And, I, and it's part, it's kind of second nature. I don't really feel like it's work at all. Um, I enjoy what I do. Uh, luckily, um, I think I'm fortunate. Not everybody does have that. Um, and I like building. I like the puzzle. I like the levers of business. I like learning about everyone's different businesses. Um, so the fact that I love it, I think spurs me on with work and the business. And I think... On the family side, obviously, I love my kids, I love my wife, but it is a very hard challenge at times to balance that. And I find that, excuse me, it's, there's more I'd like to do for the business. And I throttle back some of the trips I'd like to take, some of the business development things I'd like to do. Um, and I just say to myself, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go home tonight and do spray time and bed time and everything else. And I may be leaving money on the table, but I think, you know, there's there's all kinds of uh, wealth, right? There's uh, there's knowing your children, and hopefully they come back and visit at Christmas, Thanksgiving, and, <laughs> as opposed to not knowing their dad. You know? Wow, so that's, powerful. That's that's I guess my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's really really powerful. A lot of entrepreneurs. I know for myself, the first couple of years in my marriage, I didn't. I just saw work. That's all I saw. That's all existed for me. I didn't see anything else. I didn't see health. Didn't see emotional health. I didn't see relationships. Nothing for me. It was all about how can I work 16 hours a day and just kill it, kill it, kill it in business. And then I realized one day that I might be very, very successful in business and I might have all this wealth, but if I have no health, if I have no emotional health, if I have no family health, what's it all worth? Yep. It's so easy to get distracted with all the opportunity around us. And you, as a corporate attorney, you're working with a lot of amazing companies and seeing all this amazing opportunity how do you stay focused on your most important goals? How do you stay focused with when you have this idea monkey chattering in your mind, we should do this, we should have condos, we should da, 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 but somehow you stay focused now. How do you do that? Well, I think you have to responsibly focus on your day job, especially when you have kids and a family. And, but, but, and I, and I uh, so I, I certainly do that, but my mindset, as you know, is definitely interested in other opportunities and, and we've taken uh, bets on clients. We've done things where we've, we've, we've foregone fees and we've taken equity instead. And we, we look at a lot of high, high risk investment stuff that actually just happens to come in the door because we're, we're in that world that kind of venture capital backed companies and uh, entrepreneurs starting new businesses. And obviously we're, the last five, 10 years has been an unbelievable amount of activity in the startup sector, as you know. Um, so there's a lot going on and it's very interesting. I think technology is an amazing disruptor. A lot going on there, uh, not just you know across the board, but in legal tech, in my game, it's it's definitely super interesting. Um, 
I, I definitely have a side of me that is actively evaluating these things. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think you can neglect the core business. You know, you have to stay focused on that and keep quality up and keep the pipeline full and make sure the clients are serviced and happy and also make sure your team, your people are as engaged and, you know, with as much high morale as possible. So we, we all went to the opera the other night, you know, with the, the, wow. the we tried to do things like anything from a pub quiz or something a bit more cultural like the opera because one of the ladies here is a, is a singer, a very good singer. And, you know, so we try and keep a nice uh, atmosphere here where it's a tight-knit sort of family, or family business type feel. And, um, you know, that's, it's what we do. But <clears throat> it doesn't mean that I, I, uh, I ignore all the other things that, that could be going on. So focusing on the most important thing and knowing why you're doing it is very, very powerful. Understanding that you have a family, you have responsibilities, so you're not taking on kind of too much risk. But we all live with a certain sense of fear. There are certain fears that we kind of have to overcome in order for us to become entrepreneurs, in order for us to accomplish certain things. For me, I had a fear of public speaking. I had a fear of putting my photo on social media. And over time, I kind of had to get over those fears if I wanted to be able to accomplish my dreams. What fears did you have and how did you overcome them as you were growing as an entrepreneur? Um, I guess it's, uh, I guess initially when you start your own thing, um, I, I obviously a clear fear was, is there going to be enough clients? Am I going to maybe be able to make this work? Am I, and at that time, <clears throat> fortunately or unfortunately, I, I was 30. I didn't have kids yet. I just met my wife very soon after starting my business. But she had her own, you know, she was very self-sufficient. She was a lawyer at a large firm. And I just felt that, you know, <clears throat> can I just survive? And then I went from surviving to, to doing quite well in the first year to 18 months. And that, that, was, that was great. Um, but you, the fear never goes away that that's going to somehow continue. You're constantly fighting to keep uh, clients you're, and, and, and get that new stream of business and get that next M&A transaction or, or whatever it is you might do. And um, I think there's... Maybe, maybe back in the day in the law business, you'd have clients for 20 years, 30 years, and it was steady, and you'd add them, and you'd grow linearly, and that doesn't seem to be the law business anymore, and, and I think I've just I've restructured the, some of the team here recently, and we've gone from having some, more, some, uh, some people that are more of a contractor basis into some more uh, W-2 and payroll expenses, and, and that is an investment in the future. It's also terrifying. Because you've got um, this W, and lawyers don't come cheap, fairly high salaries, and you've got, a, you've got this W-2 payroll burden that you, you, you question, and you're worried, should I add all that right now? Are we going to be busy enough? Um, and with the, you know, the, the, the views in Manhattan don't come cheap either, but you've got to be in it to win it. And, and I think that you're always putting money out the door for the next thing, and you're just hoping the next thing comes in. And it tends that, that it does, but you don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. The fear that you might not get the next thing coming is always a fear that business owners have to deal with and having a good pipeline, having a good team, having a good relationships is the key to making sure that that pipeline is always filled. Talking about relationships, you're in the relationship business. You're not really allowed to advertise traditionally like most businesses can advertise. So how do you, what's your take on relationships? How do you build relationships? It's definitely relationship driven. I think in some ways it gets easier over time in a business like ours because you sort of build up a goodwill. You do good work for people. You hope they like it. They tell other people. And the more times you do that over a cascading sort of 10 year, been in business about 10 years, um, 
and you get a bit of a reputation. You'll be a reputation in the kind of British and American community, some of that transatlantic commercial flow that we're involved with, which is great. Um, and you know, you get you build up a goodwill, so that's that's good. And <clears throat> is is uh, you know, it could be referral sources like um, other professionals, lawyers that don't do what you do, larger firm attorneys, maybe accountants, maybe. Um, real estate people, all sorts of folk, and you, and you just have to develop those networks and concentrate your time as, as best you can. And you know, initially you might go to the random cocktail parties several years ago and do a lot less of that, and you get a lot more strategic about your marketing and where you're spending your time, and it's, it's, it's the lunch with the right person, or at least who you think is the right person, and doing that kind of stuff. And you're right, you can't really blast advertise, you can't, you can't do a lot in the advertising realm of things. It's almost seen as a little unseemly in the in the law business to be too salesy, advertisey, and, and and also our, our what we do is a very long sales cycle. That you cannot be you can't be pressure. No, no good salesperson can be pressurey, but you you can't be salesy, and you have to be patient. You just have to stay on people's radar, and you know, writing's important. I don't do enough of it. I should do more. Um, you know, we talked about that, <laughs> but it, you know, it's. Um, it is, it's very relationship driven and you've just got to keep those, but you, and I also think as well, it's the randomness of it. You know, you sort of pursue things that you think are going to be the next thing since sliced bread and be perfect and it's totally going to be a great fit and it's going to work and that doesn't work out at all. And you spend a year pursuing it and then something fabulous drops from the sky that you didn't anticipate at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now there are many entrepreneurs out there that are doing it for the money. They're out there and they're completely say, you know what? I don't care about purpose. I don't care about vision. I don't care about all this stuff. I just want, I just need to make a living and this is why I'm doing my business. You're clearly have more passion than just doing it for the money. What do you tell somebody that's just doing it for the money? Oh, I mean, I, I understand that, I guess. I mean, look, I, I started it thinking, well, let me just survive. Right. And then it becomes, I'm doing it for the money. So if in, in our business, you could have less uh, staff. You could, you could definitely staff thinner, do much more work yourself, bill more hours yourself. And as a percentage of your gross billings, you take more home. I could certainly have a larger salary and have less people here. I don't think that would be good for my mental health, for my familial situation, my wife and kids. And I don't think it would be the, the right thing strategically for our growth, which includes hopefully – it's, it's recently uh, included a, an, a, an expansion to London and it will include hopefully San Francisco very soon. And that's the stuff I need to free myself up to do that strategic stuff, I think. And, and I enjoy it and I want to do the things I enjoy. So, you know, while I might not enjoy, you know, researching the tax codes for eight hours in a cubicle, I, I do enjoy getting out there and putting the puzzle together and meeting people and knocking down doors. And I, I enjoy all that. So it's, it's, um, do what you enjoy. And I think if you're doing it just for the money, there might be a limit to how well you might do uh, financially, but also just your own satisfaction. I don't know. Um, look, everyone's got to make a, make a buck. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I, I get that. But if you're purely focused on how much you make, uh, I'm not sure you've seen the whole picture. Right. Awesome. Awesome. One final question, a question that most people love hearing. What does mojo mean to you? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. Uh, I don't know. I guess to me, your mojo, maybe it's your hustle. You know, it's your chutzpah to use, your, use, use the good old language. I think it's, um, 
feeling the what's the word? Feel, feeling the the power of it. Feeling feeling the the action of the day. I mean, there's definitely days when you're flatter and days where you're uh, less energized, and then there's other days where you feel like you know, well, I'm doing all right. This is good. You know what I mean? I, I could have taken an easier path, but uh, I didn't, and I'm enjoying the challenge. Awesome, awesome. Your mojo is your hustle. I love it. It's <laughs> a good one. It came out. It came out from the subconscious. It came out first. It was amazing. Thank you so much for being on the program. And Mojo Nation, remember, stay motivated. Holler. Thank you, man. Take Thank care. You. Take care. You've been listening to another episode of CEO Mojo, your source for amazing motivation. For more episodes that will get you motivated, go to www.ceomojo.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it and let us know what you think. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Mojo Nation, stay motivated.